We are in the book of Luke. <laughs> After two and a half year, years, you're learning. Well, good. We're uh, looking at Jesus's prayer, and uh, I hope that this uh, message this morning encourages you as you're going through through stuff. Uh, Jesus is facing the most painful, um, torturous mountain one could possibly imagine in going to the cross for our redemption. And this morning we find him in the garden in Luke chapter 22. And uh, so turn in your Bibles to this uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, we're really concluding with uh, verses 35 through 38 first. We, uh, Jesus is moving from the, um, the upper room. And uh, uh, it, it, it has a dismal ending in the upper room. Uh, they've, Jesus has shared the Lord's Supper with his disciples, um, uh, conveying to them what the new Passover is going to be. It's the, it's the body and the blood of Christ. And uh, he's really just poured out his heart to these guys. And on the heels of that uh, communion, that first Passover, um, they begin to argue as to who's supposed to be the greatest. Who will be the greatest in God's kingdom? And, uh, and then it goes from that conversation to the conversation that Peter... You're going to deny me, you know. Don't be so proud and arrogant about yourself. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter says, I can't possibly do that, Jesus. I'm willing to go to prison and to death for you. And we all know what uh, transpired on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And we looked at that last week. And then, and then in, uh, in chapter 22, verse 37, we won't read that text this morning, but Jesus quotes from Isaiah 53. It's the only time that Jesus quotes from Isaiah 53 uh, as to the fact that he is dying for them. He's dying for us. And this was uh, prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus' life. And uh, Jesus says, you need to be prepared. You know, I sent you out before and you didn't have a bag. You didn't have uh, belongings. You just trusted me. But now some terrible things are going to happen to me. And as followers of mine, these things are going to happen to you. So you need to be prepared. And uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, there needs to be, uh, if you don't have a sword, buy one. And they attach themselves to that. We need a sword. You know, Jesus, we have we have two swords. Is that enough? And uh, instead of thinking about what Jesus had said, that he's going to Calvary to die for them, there's they're consumed by having a sword now. And Jesus says in in the last last three words of uh, verse 38, it is enough. And. um, what he's basically telling these guys is, guys, forget it. Just come with me. And so they leave the upper room, and now they're coming into the garden, beginning with verse 39. 
Let me read this text. And he came out and went, as, he is, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I want to learn some things. Jesus is teaching us some things about prayer this morning. And I hope these, these, um, these words will encourage you as you're going through stuff. If you're not going through stuff right now, you're going to go through stuff. And to be Christ-like, Jesus wants us to be people of prayer, not to give up to God give up on God, but pray to God, just like we see Jesus doing before his father this morning. So there's six points I want to share, and they're going to be quick, but let me go through them with us this morning. The first lesson we can learn about prayer is that prayer is a relationship. Jesus says in verse 42, Father. If you go to a parallel passage in Mark chapter uh, 14, Mark gives us a bit of more detail to what Jesus went through in this garden. And Jesus is, addresses his father as Abba, Daddy. Prayer is all about a relationship with our father. God the Father is Jesus' Father, and God the Father is our Father. We're not a second generation or a third generation or a fourth generation removed from our Father. He's not our grandpa or our great-grandpa or our great... No, He is our Father. He's your Father. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And, you know, the Bible says when we pray, God knows what's on our heart before we even convey the words. So if Jesus, if God already knows what, what we're going to pray, why does God want us to pray? God wants us to pray because he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to build that relationship, that relationship of dependence. And so he wants us to come to us and acknowledge him as our father. He wants us to speak to him. God speaks to us. How does God speak to us? God speaks to us through his word. 
And we speak to God through prayer. And just know, my friend, God the Father hears you. He knows what you're saying before you even say it. But he hears your prayer. He is your Father. Prayer is all about a relationship with him. Second thing we see in this passage of scripture this morning is God answers prayer. You know, as as parents, when kids come to us and request things, you know, what do we say? We either say yes or no, maybe later. And God as our father, that's how he answers us in prayer as well. There's times where he says yes. There's times where he says no. And there's times where he says later. And yes, there are times where our prayers move the hand of God. I was grateful for one of those moments. I believe it was Tuesday morning. I was I was just frustrated about something. And... Um, I was all alone in the house, and I said, God, you've got to come through. You've got to show me the answer. And lo and behold, about 10.30 that morning, I got a phone call. I got the phone call that I needed to hear. God answered my prayer. It doesn't always happen that way, and it doesn't always happen for you that way. But God does answer prayer. And it's either yes or no or maybe. And here Jesus is coming before his father. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. If you are willing, let this cup pass. That was the desire. Jesus knew what he was about to face. Mark chapter 14, Jesus says, you know, all things are possible with you, God. But if it's your will, let this cup pass. The father didn't answer the way Jesus wanted him to answer. But here Jesus is in the garden And he's wrestling with God. And he grasps God's plan for his life. And Jesus knew this all along. Jesus knew what he was going to go through. But in his humanity, he's struggling. If there's any other way, Father. But in that struggle, the Father is changing the son's heart. And the father is strengthening the son, getting Jesus ready for about what what he's about to go through. The Bible says an angel came alongside Jesus and strengthened him. That's what happens when we pray. And when we ask God for things, God will answer. But sometimes he doesn't say yes. And in saying no, in shutting things down, we have the opportunity to align ourselves 
with the Father's will. Are you going through that right now? Don't give up on Him. He wants to strengthen you through that struggle. So we see uh, prayer is about a relationship. God answers prayer in one of three ways. Number three, Jesus had a place to pray. The Bible says in verse 39, as was his custom. Now we're in the final week of Jesus' life here. Um, and so he's been in Jerusalem. And each night he is, he's been going to the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus has always had a place to pray. In um, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says that early in the morning, Jesus would get up and get away to pray. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus would get away to the mountainside, uh, find a, a place, a, a quiet, a quiet place where he could just spend time focusing on the Father. No distractions. Friend, do you have that place? Is there a place, whether it's in your home or in the backyard or or maybe you walk around the neighborhood? Do you have a routine? Do you have a habit? Is there a place where you can get alone with God without, without the distractions? Jesus had that place, as was his custom. We need to find that place. You need to find that place if you don't have that place right now. The fourth thing we learn from Jesus' prayer is that Jesus had partners in prayer. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and then he took uh, Peter, James, and John, and he went a little bit further, and he asked um, these men to stay awake and to pray. He had some partners. He says in Mark chapter 14, uh, verses uh, 32 through 42, um, please pray with me. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Watch and pray for me, please. Now, it doesn't say this in Luke chapter 22, but in Mark chapter 14, there were three occasions in that evening as Jesus was praying, he went back to his men. And the Bible says they all failed. They were asleep. They couldn't stay awake and watch and be in prayer for their Lord and Savior. They failed the Lord. You know what Jesus' problem was? He should have taken women with him. Yeah, if he had had women with him, they would have stayed all up all night with Jesus. And they would have been there and they would have consoled them. But these guys, you know, it's after the Passover meal and their stomach is full and they just can't stay awake. There's a couple questions I want to ask you in this in this passage of Scripture. Number one, who are your partners in prayer? Do you have prayer partners? And the question is, have you failed them? 
they've asked you to pray about something and and uh, you said that you would pray, but maybe you prayed once and maybe it was a long time ago, but you haven't gotten back in touch with them. You haven't sent them a text or email or made a phone call or said, how you doing? Can we get together for coffee? And there's a need and you've gone to sleep as a friend. Who have you failed? I just want us to pause right now. And I want you to take that slip, slip of paper, that, that listening sheet. Who do you need to call this week, today? As I was going over my notes this morning, God gave me the names of three men I need to call. They shared with me what was going on some time ago. And I have failed to follow up. Who is it? God wants to use you, my friend. To reconnect them with God if they're going through a hard time. The second question is, who's failing you in prayer? You might say, you know what? I've got the worst Christian friends in the world. And all I can say is, no, you just happen to have friends who are Christians. We all fall short. And the last thing that Jesus wants you to do is continue to hold a grudge. What does Jesus do with his friends? Three times he went back in the garden and they're asleep. Does Jesus give up on them? Not in the least. He may have been disappointed. But he continues to pursue them. He continues to love them. He continues to forgive them. He continues to be with them. Go back and look at Judas in the upper room. Judas had already sold Jesus out. Jesus knew it. But Jesus continued to love Judas. To give him an opportunity to turn. To wash his feet. To be right next to him. At the table, the place of honor. Don't give up on your friends. Unfortunately, they're just being Christian friends. Just like Jesus' friends. The fifth thing we learn from Jesus' prayer time. Jesus humbled himself to pray. The Bible says in verse 41 that he knelt down to pray. Kneeling is a sign of respect. Kneeling is a sign of desperation, of humility. Father, I need you. 
This is very difficult and I want to talk to you about it. This is his posture. Matthew, Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Abba, Father, Daddy, help me. And he gets on his knees to pray. When was the last time you got on your knees to pray? Now, for some of you, you physically can't do that, okay? If you got on your knees, you'd have to call 911 to get up. You know, I, this doesn't concern you. God knows your heart. But there's others of us who we need to get on our knees and cry out to Father, Daddy, Daddy, help me. This, this is Jesus' heart here in the garden. His darkest outer hour, he's humbling himself. He's submitting himself to the Father. And it's not about his will, but his Father's will be done. Jesus humbles himself. You know, I think of the 21 Egyptian Christians who were beheaded last Last uh, or two weeks, two weeks ago today, kneeling on on the beach, uh, they were kneeling in submission to the, the the Muslim terrorists who were standing over them. But I believe in my heart of hearts, they were they were kneeling on that beach, desperately crying out to the Father, God save. And God did save them. He delivered them into his very presence. But their heart was humble in crying out to their father. And then the last thing we see in Jesus' prayer in the garden is this. When life is hard, pray. When life is hard, pray. Life was hard for Jesus. The Bible says that he sweat drops of blood. Mark 14 verse 34 says, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. My friend, in the midst of great trial, it's not the time to get angry with God. To question God. To fight God. We need to run to God. It didn't get any harder for Jesus. Here Jesus is in the garden. And instead of running from his father. He runs to the father. And he begins to pray. Friends. Pray. It's all about a relationship. Your father, your heavenly father loves you. And he wants to hear from you. It's an opportunity to build that relationship. And he will answer you. Yes, no, or later. But he is there for you. Humble yourself. Find partners. Don't go through this alone. 
Jesus needed his disciples. Come with me, Jesus says. Watch and pray. They failed? Yeah, they failed. But he didn't give up on them. And neither can you afford to give up on your Christian friends. Have that place where you can meet him. Why is Jesus so distressed? Because Jesus knows that he has to drink the cup of his father's wrath. It is the only way that your sin and my sin is going to be forgiven. It requires a perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus. The Lamb is Jesus. And this Lamb who is to be slain is going to take all the wrath of a holy and righteous God and place it upon His Son. And God the Son is going to drink the cup of God's righteous wrath for our redemption. He is going to drink the cup that we should be drinking from. And as Jesus drinks from that cup, as he's about to drink from that cup, as he dies on the cross for our salvation... We avoid the wrath of God. And Jesus' sacrifice becomes the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that will appease, satisfy a holy and righteous God. Jesus is going to become the propitiation for our sins. There's some verses I want you to write down. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. Paul says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. My friend, when we believe that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, that he died in my place. He drank from the cup that I should have drank from. By faith, when we believe that and surrender our lives to him, the Bible says, That because of Jesus' propitiation, now we find favor with God. We're no longer his enemy. We're on God's side. I don't know about you, but I want to be in God's favor. I want to have God's favor on my life. That's what happens when Jesus becomes our propitiation. God's holy wrath 
righteous wrath is satisfied in Jesus. And we're forgiven. A couple other verses. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, just like you and I, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Saying that he became human like us, but he didn't sin like us. He was perfect to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then one other verse, 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also the sins of the whole world. Jesus knows that it's only his death that's going to satisfy the wrath of the Father. And he must drink from that cup. My friend, someone has to drink from the cup. If you, don't, if, if you don't trust the sacrifice Jesus made in your place, and if you don't let him drink your cup, the Bible says at the end of the age, you will have to drink from the cup of God's wrath. That holy, righteous wrath is going to come upon the sin of the godly, ungodly. It's not going to go well for you. In fact, the Bible says it's going to last for all eternity. And Jesus doesn't want you to go there. He doesn't want you to go there so much that he drank the cup for you. But you've got to trust him. So this morning as we conclude this message in, in your outline this morning, some different things regarding the application of this message. Maybe, maybe this morning you just need to thank him for all that he went through for you. Jesus so was so stressed under so much duress in the garden. The Bible says he sweated drops of blood. This is a medical condition. And people who have experienced this don't usually su survive. But this is where the shedding of blood began. Have you trusted him? I don't know everyone's relationship in here. Maybe you've been coming to church for some time, but you've never surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today's the day of your salvation, and you just need to trust him. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I want to live my life for you. I want you to become my boss for the rest of my life. Do you have a place where you can pray. Place where there's no distractions. Is there someone you need to call. And just follow up on. And see how they're doing. My friend. Please do that. 
apply this passage to your life. Don't fail them. Encourage them. Have you given up on God recently? Don't run from Him. Don't get mad at Him. Pray. Jesus prayed. Come to the prayer service this Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Maybe you have a health condition. Maybe something's going on in your life physically. The Bible says in James, if you need prayer, to call upon the elders. Elders are going to be here Thursday night. But you've got to take the initiative. And we'll be here. And if you want us to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil and pray over you, we want to do that. But take advantage of this prayer time. This will be the fastest hour of your whole week, I promise. We need to be praying. There's lots to pray for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not giving up on your disciples when you needed them so much. God, help us to forgive others who have failed us rather than having grudges. God, help us to restore those relationships, redeem them, God, as you uh, have redeemed ours in Jesus. And when life is hard, and for some, life is hard this morning, just like Jesus, help them to pray. Help them to humble themselves and and not be ashamed and, and say, hey, I need prayer. Would you pray with me this morning? As heads are bowed right now, we extend an invitation and we extend an invitation after every message. We're going to have people in the dining hall who want to pray for you. I think there's a lot of people in this in this service, these services, who need prayer, but they're just embarrassed. Friend, don't be embarrassed. We have a Father who loves you and wants to hear from you. And you have brothers and sisters in Christ who need to pray with you, who want to pray with you. Connect with God this morning. As we stand, let's worship. And if you need prayer, just to dismiss yourself from your row and go into the dining hall and pray with one of the elders or their wives this morning. Jesus, 
be glorified in this invitation. Use it in all of our lives. In Christ's name we pray.